This week, I speak to Mary Martin, who works for the RYA, and that stands for the Royal Yachting Association. So Mary focuses most of her work in Northern Ireland, and her role is a development officer. So I spoke to Mary covering her background, how she got into the work. The main, one of the main uh, focuses of her conversation was a programme about getting women on the water. So we're talking about getting women on the water, mostly in the sense of sailing, but also in general. Um, the RYA cover other water sports. So Mary mentions about other sports such as windsurfing and power boating as well. So that was interesting for me because I think being a male, I possibly maybe don't understand the issue as much um, than maybe I should. So this conversation was good for me and anyone else who's a man as well. Um, it's probably a, a good listen and will just make you more aware of the issues because um, the water is dominated by uh, men mostly um, and there's we talk about in the chat about the drop-off rate as well, about women on the water. And then we also talk about uh, the pathway, so um, how youth um, youth sailors developing their pathways, aiming for Olympic campaigns. With. And then we also talk about um, how other people can get involved in, in sailing or joining a local boat club or whatever it is. So um, if... Perhaps you're listening to this and you do want to get more involved in the water, so this might be um, a good episode for you to listen to. If you haven't subscribed already, um, please do. You can do so at the website. Um, and please uh, leave a review um, of this episode as well. Let me know what you think. So, yeah, hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you soon. Thank you. It's all about Marie and the coastal sea what it's like, and everything in between. So sit on down, hey, and take a seat. Coastal catch ups with a stampede. Mary, thank you very much for coming on the Coastal Catch Ups. Uh, could you just start by telling myself and the listeners a bit about yourself? Thanks for having me. Um, I am Mary Martin. I am the RYA's uh, workforce development officer and I've worked with the RYA for 14 years. Pretty good. <laughs> um, so in terms of the RYA, I think we'll come back to that, but um, right now, for all the listeners, we're on the water on a sailing boat. Mm -hmm. You're very familiar with sailing boats. Mm -hmm. um, how did you get into it? Or tell me your story from growing up and um, how you got into it. Um, the water? Well, luckily for me, my dad is a sailor and he, so I just grew up on boats. I was just always on a boat as long as I could remember. Um, I learned to sail in Cushendall and learned to race in Cushendall, became an instructor, became a race coach. <laughs> uh, and that was, uh, in theory, the instructor and coaching was to pay for my own sailing, but um, kind of took over in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was never going to be anything else, any other sport, it was always going to be... Always, always sailing, I just love being on the water and even when I wasn't sailing I was swimming in the sea, I just love being yeah. by the water, being yeah. in the sea. Cushendall's an awesome spot as well. 
It's the centre of the universe. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, fondly known as the heart of the glens. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just a beautiful place to grow up. Very lucky to be, to be in the glens. Um, so getting in the, um, the RYA, um, which is the Royal Yachting Association, how did that come about? Um, did you have did you have any career paths before that, or was it always going to be RYA? Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do at university, uh -huh. so I did archaeology and uh -huh. paleoecology. Did you? I did. Yes. And I love that. I love that degree, but uh -huh. um, instead of doing a year, a summer dig and writing up a, a thesis on that, uh -huh. I went and taught sailing. Yeah. <laughs> I spent my summer sailing, and so I think even my lectures were under no illusions that really that was sailing was what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, at the same time I got this job, I had been offered a place on a PGCE, so being okay. a teacher was my other potential pathway, yeah. but yeah, luckily for me the funding came round and yeah. I got the post. Very good. I haven't got rid of me since. <laughs> so how long have you been with the RYA for? 14, 14, 14 years, years I think, it was 2009 when Very I started, good. yeah, crazy. Um, so has your, what is your roles included? in those years with the RA, what have you been doing? Well, I, my job when I started was development officer, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's kind of anything and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was working with clubs um, on policies and procedures, development plans, um, trying to help clubs with funding or running programs to get people sailing mm -hmm. or boating of any kind. Um, and, uh, but just recently, um, we've had an extra member of staff. We've got a new strategy. We've got a new um, chief officer. So my role has changed to workforce only. So that uh, narrows it down to uh, working with um, coaches and instructors and race officials and volunteers. Yeah. Just that's all. <laughs> so there's a you're working with volunteers and paid instructors as well. Mm -hmm. Um. How, how important is the volunteering side, at, maybe at a local level or I don't know, within the RYA itself? Like, I mean, like most sports, there wouldn't be any sport without volunteers. And really, yeah. pubs really depend on volunteering. Um, I think it's a real struggle in modern society. There's kind of a an element where people just want to pay for a thing and, and show up and do the thing and not have to set it up or worry mm -hmm. about helping out but mm -hmm. um, clubs are run by a different generation and they every, you know they, they have that kind of um, they expect everybody to pitch in and volunteer and, yeah. um, you know we're talking more and more now about the kind of benefits personal benefits of volunteering yeah. mental health benefits just getting on the water being social yeah. you know it's just it's key to the sport yeah um there's an event here, Baylor Week, uh, with your husband. Were you gone with the traveller here at SOIC? No. No. Um, <laughs> Childcare duties. Childcare duties. <laughs> yes. But it's kind of yeah. It's it's funny. Like at a club, you maybe don't see people that throughout the summer, and then at these events, kind of everyone comes out of not yeah. the woodwork, but just appears again, and it's a real good social. It's so good. As well. I think it just adds to that, you know, clubs with really good volunteering, you 
know, ethos have got this great family atmosphere. You're yeah. part of a family. Yeah. You might not see each other forever, but if you get a call, you'll go, yep, I'll be yeah. down and I'll, I'll help you do X, Y, or Z. And yeah. I mean, I think boating as a community, we're all willing to help each other, even if you're not in the club, you yeah. know, if you meet somebody out in the water. And that was that's an ethos. If yeah. somebody else needs help in the water, you have to help them. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I know. Especially around here, you'd definitely make a name for yourself very quickly if you didn't help someone. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's you'd always be, somebody watching. I know, absolutely. Um, very good. So, I take it one of RYA's goals is to increase participation in sailing around our coasts. Yeah. And general water sports, RYA covers it. Do they cover other sports or is it just mostly sailing? We're the governing body for sailing, power boating, windsurfing, um, and that's including kite surfing, yeah. kite winging and kite foiling. Uh -huh. um, but our clubs will support more than that. So most of our clubs now have sea swimming yeah. and kayak. Um, one club has a Airplane spotting club. Right. <laughs> Can, Can you say what club it is? Yes, Hollywood's right that underneath there. That makes sense. There. That yeah. does make sense. Um, so, you know, we, we, we support them as much as we can with those other things. I think we're, again, like clubs in Northern Ireland, by and large, own their own building, uh -huh. which is quite a strong position, but you have to really sweat the asset. You need to get as much activity in there as you can. But yeah. our focus really is on boating, sailing, power yeah. boating side of things. Yeah. Um, but yes, our, our strategy, um, our new strategy is, is, is all about getting more people into boating um, and making the sport more accessible, um, not just for people with disabilities, but for anybody who is a minority. Um, and one of the focuses at the minute is women. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a male-dominated sport at the minute. Um, so do you think people who are not in the sailing community right now think they view it as maybe like a closed off community? Do you think it's or do you think it's do you think definitely it's a I think it's it's really hard to if you, just so many people that I speak to, even people I grew up with, who would love to give sailing a go but they don't realise how to get involved or um like you say they think it's a closed shop yeah. and and um, one of the joys of sailing is that you can do it with your granddad and your grandchild yeah. all in the same time. Yeah. But that also means that our clubs are majority families, or we, as we talk about dynasty sailors, so the people who are in clubs, their parents sailed, mm -hmm. their parents sailed, etc. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming in not from having a family of sailors, it can be quite intimidating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have our own language yeah. <laughs> in boating. Um, and you know, it's, it is, it's not easy coming into the sport yeah. if you don't have that background. Yeah. And you mentioned it about being a male dominated sport, which um, I agree on, especially reading the recent survey um, yeah. completed by the RYA. So what um, programs or measures are being put in place to help encourage women in the sport? Um, we've, I suppose we've, you, you don't need a survey really to say yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's true. less women in the sport you can just look around any race day yeah. I think uh, you know in a, on a start line on a, on a racing it's, it's just majority, still majority men uh -huh. um, but our 
our research was really um, trying to get at the why. Yeah. Why are women leaving the sport? Why did they try in the first place? Um, what are the barriers that we don't know about again? I've sailed my whole life, yeah. so I don't understand the barriers that somebody who hasn't come from a sailing family would yeah. be facing. Um, we've had the Women on the Water program as, a, as a, a way of introducing women, adult women, to the sport for a few years now, and it's been um, women have just grabbed it with both hands. We have so uh, many fanatical <laughs> sailors that have come out, boaters that have come out of it. Yeah. Um, and the research had some interesting insight on how to develop that, so we're going to look into that. Um, a big chunk of it will be, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Uh, so, stories about other women in the sport in a variety of roles. Yeah. yeah. Um, Instructor like roles, race officials, yeah. uh, sailing around the world, sailing across the bay. All of those uh, stories. <laughs> Some ladies coming past now. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. My Chinese mics will pick that up, but sure. <laughs> um, um, you mentioned about the why behind the low participation from women. What was, what is that being found? What's, what is that um, kind of, what's came from that? In my mind, I, d I don't want to say, I imagine childcare and things like that would be up there, but I, I don't know what came from the survey. It is up there. I think, um, it, the survey really highlighted the kind of the soft skills that clubs maybe don't uh, embrace. So a lot of clubs have that sign on the front door saying members only. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably a man <laughs> standing there saying, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so there, there's there's a quite a bit about that welcoming atmosphere, um, approachable committee members or approachable members. Yeah. Um, and that I think, as a sailor, as a person now who's a member of clubs, you feel like that's not us. That's not really that's not really the case. Mm -hmm. But it is the case for a lot of women. It's just and not just women. I think again, um, some of the feedback we've had from the, the survey is that that anybody who's not from the sport can find that quite intimidating yeah. um, how welcoming the club is um, yeah. most clubs don't have a person picking up the phone Yeah. you know if you email a lot of clubs you might not get a response for a couple of months which yeah. again like modern society you, you mm -hmm. have to have instant response from people otherwise they, they, they just forget and move on yeah. Yeah. or they're insulted by that yeah no, I think that's important having that initial well, but yeah, like an open. The likes of the signs, you mentioned and stuff. I think that is, um, it's important to have like a welcoming atmosphere to get people into the sport. Um, the. Can I just say, um, one of some clubs are taking up new initiatives with that purpose of uh -huh. being welcoming. So. Um, like here in the uh, Strangford Yacht Club, uh, on opening day, they invite all the new members down, yeah. um, give everybody a cup of tea and a sandwich, yeah. and they talk about what the plan is for the season mm -hmm. and ask them. Uh, they 
club officers were there with their name badge saying what their role yeah. was and saying, you know, if you want to help out, we, yeah. we, we need you to help out yeah. to go and speak to somebody. And I just thought that that's the kind of thing that's brilliant. It really welcomes new people yeah. who've got as far as, OK, I'm going to join and um, do a bit of sailing yeah. at your club. Yeah, It's really important. So if anyone's listening who maybe does want to get involved and has no idea how to, <laughs> were you waiting it's for this question? It's great timing, I hope you don't, <laughs> you're not going to show this until next summer. <laughs> yeah, um, true. Um, I think, well, uh, most clubs will have some sort of training programme. Mm. Um, we'll definitely, you'll definitely see more women on the water programmes going mm -hmm. forward. Um, clubs that have run those have, have found them to be phenomenally successful and they've driven... Um, adult training courses, mm -hmm. whereas before a lot of clubs would focus on junior courses. Yep. Um, now they're seeing that kind of need for adult training courses. Yep. Um, so I think that will be the first port of call. Check out your local club, um, see what sort of training programs they have. Most of them will start off <laughs> from Easter uh, and yep. going through the summer, so a lot of clubs will kind of uh, stop training. Yeah. Over the autumn and winter months. Yeah. So put it in the diary if you're listening. Yes. <laughs> Check in at Easter time. Buy the uh, sailing school vouchers yeah. at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely noticed a lot more adult courses down at. Um, we have a really committed volunteer here. Um, I'll give him a shout out if he doesn't mind. Jack Kennedy, like he has been. I'm sure you know Jack here. He's, he's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Like I can't believe he's only 25. I know. Um, I have huge respect for Jack and the the way that he's running the training here yeah. is undeniable. It's been successful. Um, the the women's the women and girls research was really saying about training as well. Uh -huh. That women the women on the water program is an introduction. And most clubs, it's an introduction to uh, dinghy sailing, keelboat yeah. sailing, powerboats, everything. Yeah. So you don't get really any depth of knowledge in each yeah. thing. So just kind of the women were crying out for that next step of training, yeah. which White Rock has been delivering yeah. this summer, yeah. Thursday nights. Because <laughs> um, it's even going out in the, the Hayes, which are brilliant training boats, mm -hmm. really good learning. Um, and I suppose if, in my mind, if you learn in a dinghy and you learn the basics, yes, almost, if you go, you can almost go into any boat after that. Absolutely. Obviously, you need to learn the Pacific ropes, but um, literally. No, you can. Yeah. I mean, you can. It, it's the best. I, I agree. I think it's the best foundation. Yeah. If you learn in the dinghy, you can do anything. Yeah. A lot of people who learn um, cruiser racing only know only know yeah. how to pull that one rope. They might yeah. not even know what it's called or why they're pulling it. So dinghy racing gives you that whole picture. Yeah. Dinghy sailing, yeah. dinghy training. Yeah, very good. Um, so we've lots lots going on in the RAA. Um, now this podcast is all about sustainability. So I thought I'd talk about mm -hmm. the environmental side, the RAA playing. Is there any um, initiatives or programs going on on that side of things? Um, yeah, the RAA has a, a, a sister body called the Green Blue. Yeah. It's part funded by the British Marine Federation, BMF. Whoever they are. I'll, I'll, I'll research it now. I'll put a wee caption down at the bottom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so the, the the Green Blue, it's a brilliant 
brilliant organisation. Um, if you haven't heard of it, definitely check out their website because there's so much information on there. There's wildlife guides, mm -hmm. there's uh, like whale spotting guides, all that kind of stuff. But they, uh, the Green Blue works with um, commercial marinas and marine operations and mm -hmm. clubs and, mm -hmm. and gives advice about how to become more sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, been really useful for me working with clubs who are doing upgrades in terms of how they can use energy saving mm -hmm. lights, mm -hmm. showers, any any of those things, and uh, and then they have advice as well for boaters about how to how for each type of boat the types of things that you need to do in order to protect the environment. Um, but I definitely need to tell everybody, if any boat water user, the Green Blue have a boating pledge, the Green Blue boating pledge. And if you sign up online, it's about uh, respect, protect, and uh, enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. There's a great code. Um, so get on, get yeah. on the Green Blue website and yeah. make your pledge. Make your pledge, Sam. I will. I will. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good point. It's a really important part of the whole sustainability um, theory because you have the environmental side. You protect. But what actual water you're enjoying at the end of the yeah. day, and that gives back. You get the social benefits with um, getting people out in the water and actually enjoying the area. So, um, yeah. I think boaters as a community, we love the sea, and there is kind of a respect there already. And the green blue information is like just assisting you how to do yeah. that better. Yeah. Um, and then I think because boaters are a community, and we are in clubs or are in marinas, we, we're all talking to each other. It's yeah. easier for bodies um, to get that information out. So they're, yeah. as a group, they have some education about yeah. how to not kill wildlife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think it is because everyone wants to, wants to know how to help. And I think just getting yeah. that wee bit of education out there just to let people, perhaps it's, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think they it's, it's just telling people that it's there, but they have yeah. great cheat sheets from your topper dinghy, what things you can do there, yeah. stop spread of um, invasive species yeah. and any of that stuff, right up to your cruising boat, how to pump out the dirty black water yeah. and you know all, all of that kind of yeah. anti-fouling, yeah. just information about all of that yeah. is all on yeah. there. And in the our way itself, like we, you know, we have a sustainability plan too. Our way house in Hamble has got it's powered by solar panels, it's all new, and um, we don't have that in Northern Ireland, but we use a green energy provider. Yeah. And um, so we're, you know, we're looking at it. We're trying to do our yeah. part as well. Do your bit. Um, you can put your coat on, Mary. I'm quite cold. <laughs> I'm not too bad. I forgot actually. my coat. Um, I'm not too bad. You just, can put on my coat just then. Away. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so in terms of the RYA, so per perhaps people's maybe perception of sailing as well maybe comes from the Olympics. Mm. Um, what role does the RYA play in developing, <laughs> I assume, little yeah. children of the... Well, like I said, I, one of the things I worked with clubs with in the past was um, youth training programmes, of learn to race programmes. Mm -hmm. Um, and from there we have a performance 
pathway. Um, so if you're in a performance club with youth, youth racing, mm -hmm. um, you can apply and become part of the Northern Ireland squads. There's different mm -hmm. age groups, different types of boats, and that feeds into the national pathways either um, in Ireland or across the water. Yeah. Um, so uh, historically, been a very successful Olympic uh, sport. Um, definitely challenges ahead <laughs> on that front, but um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's that's. What I love racing. I and I think as well. Like a lot of our chat around development is about not forcing racing on people, but I almost feel like um, we're getting away from it. That is, it is so exciting. It's so thrilling to be a part of, and mm -hmm. um, we need more people to do racing. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I loved coaching as well, and. Mm -hmm. and um, so my, my workforce role, I've been working with coaches trying to help them get better and mm -hmm. have good planning and just be the best coaches they can be in yeah. clubs and on our performance pathway as well. So yeah. um, we're running courses for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the in terms of the actual pathways, obviously you're focused on sailing. Kids coming up through school and stuff, mm -hmm any student athletes there's a lot of pressure is there any help like do they always support kids as well when they're going through pressure this do you mean like from the school for colors and things like that or um i just mean in terms of balance and revision balance and um the training requirements early mornings like is it i suppose i'm asking is it a good thing you know is it or is it uh, to performance sport yeah. I mean I think we always have this approach where uh, we want you to continue with your other sports yeah. and when you're on our performance program we want you to mm -hmm. continue with whatever other sport you're doing mm -hmm. um, and there is um, education wellness as a part of the performance program mm -hmm. yeah. how to look after yourself physically yeah. a lot of kids don't know how to yeah. eat right or how yeah. to exercise yeah. and that would just benefit them for their whole yeah. life exactly, yeah. and a lot of a lot of the skills from sailing is you yeah. know they're they can transfer out of sailing yeah. to other aspects of life too yeah. um so we do have we do have yeah. a wellness program we have an exit yeah we have exit chats with sailors who are not moving on to the next level yeah. or not becoming an olympic sailor yeah. But, yeah. um always more work to be done yeah. though <laughs> I, I think you're right as in there's lessons in there between time management and yeah. uh, looking after yourself physically you know it's yeah. uh, there's loads of lessons you can learn I, I, I learned them when I was younger but I probably didn't appreciate them until I was a bit older yeah. um, I mean our, yeah. when you're, you're the, the junior class the classes that you sailed are single-handed yeah and you have to do it yourself. Yeah. You can't yeah. rely on anybody yeah. else. So definitely don't allow your parents to rig the boat. No. Um, but if you're when you're out there on the water on your own, it is you're on your own. You yeah. have to do it yourself. Yeah. You have to read how you know anything yeah. goes wrong. You have to fix it yourself. Yeah. It's great resilience yeah. for people, but um, yeah. I hope that we don't put too much pressure on our sailors. Some of the some of the classes have a lot of events, and that's yeah. very busy. Yeah. But. Um, John talked about this on the podcast with him about the professionalism of the sport yeah. 
and uh, some of the national performance programs require a huge input of time and money yeah. so once you're getting to that um, Olympic trials period like post yeah. yes, post 18 yeah. then it de definitely ramps up the pressure yeah. Yeah. Um, from my experience I so I sailed single handed up until maybe 17 mm -hmm. and then I stopped I, I did the odd bit then I came back into it uh, maybe five years ago in a two-man dinghy. Yeah. And part of me goes, I, I'm so glad I had the experience of doing everything by myself. But the the team, working as a team as well, I absolutely loved coming back into that. And um, it's it, now I'm part of a community of sailors now and mm -hmm. um, BRS 400 fleet, and it's it's it, such a good yeah, fleet. Yeah. Yes. At the time, uh, 14 years ago, um, there was a kind of a feeling that if we introduced double hand, any other fleet basically to the two we had, we'd be diluting the, the sailors across a number of fleets yeah. so that the training level wouldn't get high enough. Yeah, that makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but, and I'm so glad that you have said that about <laughs> the double handed thing because they, um, there's this kind of a, it's almost like a tagline for getting women into the sport that it has to be more than one, it can't be single handed. But uh -huh. actually, double handed, the social aspect of it, yeah. still resilient, you still yeah. a good amount of resilience yeah. in there looking after your crew and yourself when you're yeah. out there. Um, it just, it's something that we are looking at encouraging clubs because yeah. we can't do it on our own. Uh -huh. Clubs really um, lead the way, but we now have. Uh, don't think we have full squads, but we are the performance manager who you probably will talk to. Mm -hmm. He is um, trying helping the FIVA class, which is double handed at that junior level. Mm -hmm. And um, we have we supported the 420s a bit, mm -hmm. um, but just really low numbers in Northern Ireland. Yeah. They have a bit of a, again, it's historically getting people to move out of what yeah. they think is the, the best fleet yeah. into a different fleet yeah. is, is quite difficult. Clubs need to. The clubs seem to agree, but again, it's making my step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well, um, I was going to ask about COVID's role in the sailing yeah. world after it. Was there any trends you saw after after that? Well, uh, yes, lots of trends. Um, Initially, because we were an outdoor sport, we were first back. Yeah. So, uh, although it was quite confusing, single-handed, fine, double-handed, not so much yeah. right at the very beginning. But um, what was it? Family pods. Wait. So, because it was an outdoor sport, it was first back, a bit like paddleboarding. There was an explosion of people buying boats and yeah. wanting to learn to sail, and yet clubs had a year maybe two with no new instructors mm -hmm. there was kind of a gap in the amount of instructors needed the mm -hmm. amount of equipment clubs had and this mm -hmm. huge kind of demand yeah um in that first year of covid club membership dropped yeah people there's no point in paying membership there's nothing happening at the yeah. club so but in the, again the second year club membership has gone through the roof yeah. and it's maintained at that yeah. since in northern ireland anyway Good. um 
Um, so there's that boat ownership. The boat ownership is starting to drop off again. Okay. And you'll see the boat prices coming down again. <laughs> yeah. You bought at the right time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Part of me goes, there's maybe not the right time to buy a boat. <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. between time and working on it. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, outdoor sports definitely saw that kind of um, boost, and then I suppose things you can do on your own, like the paddleboarding. Yeah. I thought we'd get peace and quiet here now, but uh, yeah, and there was loads of paddleboarders and stuff out, so yeah. I think people just realise what there is closer to home. And, yeah, we're um, so lucky in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, I mean, Christendall is so beautiful, it really is yeah. the centre of the university, you must go if you've not been. Um, but Strangford Lock is good second. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Um, so looking ahead then, um, with your role in the RYA, um, yeah. challenges and opportunities, what are you kind of yeah. eyeing up or what's coming down the line? Well, my workforce uh, in all those three areas of sort of coaching, instructing, officials and volunteering, I want to increase the numbers in all of those yeah. uh, qualified. And with the, you know, we've, we've seen in our, in our number, qualifications we know there's less women there's no, uh, at the lower levels of the qualifications is almost equal sim similar to junior sale and junior sale is equal boys and girls and as you get older the girls drop mm -hmm. off uh, more sharply so, so same our qualifications at every yeah. level almost equal and as you get to senior instructor yeah. or national race officer there's less and less mm -hmm. women so I, I I'm going to have a focus on what we need to do in that yeah. area, um, but um, I'm sort of at the minute I'm particularly interested in the race official stuff yeah. because it's not really been a part of my role before. So I've got some rules, talks, and things coming yeah. up. I've been chevying some people along to the courses who I think would be good, um, and there's a bit of mentoring involved in, yeah. in, in most of that. Yeah. Is there work being done to highlight role models? In, around in the community at the minute? Yeah, so we recognise that telling the stories of our sport is one of our weak, like we're really bad at that. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we've, we um, were gathering up uh, case studies. I've been interviewing people just for news articles, but we've also been making videos as well, yeah. um, trying to highlight the joy of the sport. Um, the challenges of yeah. the sport, but why people are still doing it. It is, you know, it's it, it's not an easy sport. Yeah. It is a challenge, yeah. but then you get such a great reward out of it. Yeah, and the longevity of it as well will be. Yeah, yeah. it could be with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Um, Mary, I'm getting cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, this is Lugworm. It's not the best name. 
In fact, it's the best name. I like it. It's a brilliant name, especially <laughs> as I can see the fishing, fishing rods there, yeah. so it's a key part of that. Yeah, we've got a trip planned on Friday night, so kind of, yeah, got the rods on. And Is this because it can sit on the mud? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, yeah. It's our first one on board, so thank you very much for being the first person on Lugworm to do a coastal catch-up. Um, but uh, yeah, the work you're doing, uh, just want to wish you the very best of luck with all the future programmes. Um, like you're, you've got a good grip on the issues and the opportunities in the sailing community, and I think all the stuff you've chatted about, what the RIA are doing, it's gonna it's gonna work I'm sure so um be excited to keep tabs on it. There's always more work to be done. Absolutely but <laughs> sure what we'll be doing we'll be bored then. We'll yeah. Be bored. Um but yeah just want to say thanks again and um I'll catch you soon. Thank you.